this morning, I just want to take the chance to uh, welcome uh, all of you, whether you are here with us for the first time or you're coming back to worship God with us, I want to welcome you. And um, my name is Josh. I'm the pastor here at EEC. Over the past several weeks, uh, we've been looking into the Gospel of Luke, especially in the beginning two chapters, um, to discover and to um, look into the different people uh, that Luke chose us to uh, keep in his accounts of the gospel, to help us to understand what it was like for the people in the first century uh, who were anticipating, who were waiting for the arrival of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Um, <clears throat> perhaps a, a good way for us to uh, just think about um, the, the characters that we have looked through so far um, is to think about the questions that they asked and the questions that they help us answer uh, during this time of Advent, this time of waiting and anticipation. <clears throat> so Zechariah, Zechariah, the priest, and Mary, they helped us explore the question of how. They asked the question of how. For example, how is the Savior to arrive? He is to be born as a human baby to a virgin. And that will be someone ahead of him as well to prepare the way. So they helped us answer the question, how? And then we looked at the shepherds who heard the angels answer the question of where and when. Where and when. The angels announced to the shepherds that the Savior was now born in the city of David. Where is that? Where's the city of David? Bethlehem. That's right. And then John the Baptist focused his preaching on what people should do to be prepared for the arrival of Christ. They should repent and treat other justly. Repent and treat other justly. And so now we ask today, we've asked how, we've asked where and when, and we have asked what. So what sort of question remains? Can you guess? Who, yes. Let's ask the question of who. Who is Jesus? Who is this man, this baby boy that makes him so anticipated by all these people? And who is he that is able to bring joy, hope, and ultimate justice to this world? Now, sometimes celebrating Christmas is like a little bit about going, um, it's a little bit like going to a kid's birthday party. So we're all adults here, so just imagine yourself going to your kid's friend's birthday party or some kid's birthday party. You go in <clears throat> to the party, you, you put down your gifts, you know, you enjoy the food that's being prepared, and sometimes you even sing along, you know, the birthday song. But then you soon um, observe that all the kids are just playing with the toys that they brought themselves. And the adults will start maybe asking each other, well, whose birthday is it? Where, where's the birthday boy? And someone might say, oh, he's over there somewhere in that corner, uh, you know, 
just doing his thing. Hardly anyone would have paid any attention to him at all. And kids like to play with their things, and adult engages in their own this, uh, conversations about their lives. And sometimes Christmas could feel that way, couldn't it? You suddenly say to yourself, now wait a minute, whose, whose birthday is it? Whose birthday are we celebrating? Why are we actually here? Well, in his gospel account, Luke was purposeful to include historical details and eyewitness testimonies to give us certainty that Jesus is Messiah. He was building his case with historical facts and eyewitnesses. Every witness in Luke declares the same thing, that God has come to rescue and to save. We've read, the angel Gabriel calls his, this child the Son of God. The angelic army that followed said he, he was the Messiah, the Savior, and the Lord. But to know someone, we often want to hear directly from that person about who he says he is, don't we? And so today we want to first listen to an account from Luke chapter 2, verse 41 to 52, to help us think about some of the first words of Jesus that were recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Now, children often say all kinds of funny things about, and all sorts of strange things, right? We sometimes just laugh about the, the, the crazy and unexpected things that children say sometimes. But how could you have ever imagined the first recorded words that come from the lips of young Jesus, who was only 12 years old, in, this, in the gospel? He said, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? In other words, didn't you realize that it was absolutely necessary or that it was absolutely my duty that I should be engaged in my father's business? Didn't you know that? Now you think of in those terms, then what was Jesus doing? He was kind of like on a business trip, wasn't he? He was on a business trip from heaven. And the father and the son and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, the Trinity, had determined in eternity that since the world of which we are all part of would turn its back on God. Instead of leaving the world to itself, they would send someone to save the world. And that someone, brothers and sisters, friends, that someone is the second person of the Trinity, Jesus of Nazareth. And so we, we just saw um, that even at age 12, Jesus was clear that he was born to this world with a clear purpose. And this purpose was not handed down by his earthly parents. We saw that because Mary and Joseph didn't know. This purpose of his life was given to him directly by his Father in heaven. And as you read the subsequent chapters, which we'll not go through today, but if you have a chance, if you haven't already, uh, you're free to help yourself to a book of the Gospel of Luke at the back. We have both in English and Chinese. And you will find that his words in the subsequent chapters would not be recorded again until around age 30, when he was baptized by John and then led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted 
by the devil. So I encourage you to read uh, chapter 3 and 4 yourself and see how his victory over Satan's temptations proved Jesus to be the true Son of God who is worthy to save and rescue all humanity. Rescue us from what? From all brokenness, from all the destruction that was started by the supposed first Son of God, Adam. Rather than obeying and trusting God's purpose and provision for our lives, Adam and subsequently all of us have decided to follow our own desires, to take control of our own lives. And ever since, our relationship with God have been tamed, have been broken, have been torn and severed. And so Jesus' mission was clear. Even to him as a child, on earth, his mission is to heal this brokenness and to restore our relationship with God. And he, know, he knows and tells his earthly parents, as we saw, and declares to the devil as well when he was tempted that this is what he is here for. And there's nothing that is going to stop him from completing this mission for us. So after Jesus came out of the wilderness, he began to preach across the land. And today we go uh, on to just look at one more story of Jesus. And this is the story of Jesus healing the paralytic man, a man who could not walk. So take note. Take note as, as we listen and, 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 and we watch uh, from Luke chapter 5, 17 to 26. Take note of what Jesus says. Quite a dramatic act, wasn't it? If you imagine all of a sudden, the roof, which is uh, maybe for some of us not too far-fetched, opens up, and somebody came down on a bed from the clinic upstairs and landed right here. But there he comes. And what did Jesus say? Do you guys remember? He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. What? What an anticlimax. I thought the guy came in because he was a paralyzed man. He couldn't walk. After all, the friends brought him here <clears throat> for one express reason, so that Jesus could make him walk again, so that Jesus can perform a miracle on him. But Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees who were there, what did they say? They thought this was ridiculous. This is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Well, they were absolutely right. Only God could and can forgive sin. But what they couldn't figure out was that they were in the presence of Emmanuel, God with us. And so they began to grumble and complain. And Jesus, knowing that, they were what they were thinking in their hearts, and so they said to him, uh, so, so Jesus said to them, Let me ask you a question. What do you think is easier? To say, Forgive, your sins are forgiven, or to say, Pick up your bed and walk? Which do, which do you think it's easier? Well, those who were challenging Jesus didn't say anything, because both were tremendously difficult when you think about it. And so Jesus says, in order that you might know, in order that you might know, 
you who called yourself religious, that's the Son of Man, which is the designation of Jesus, has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus says, I say to you, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately the man picked up his bed and went home. We see, we see just by listening this morning of what Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, that he was very intentional with what he says and how he reveals himself to us. He could have simply told the man to get up and walk. But Jesus wanted to point out this man's, in fact, every man and woman's real need was that we need forgiveness. Now, Jesus did not dismiss his physical need, did he? Ultimately, Jesus did heal this man and he was able to walk again. This morning, I just want to invite us to think about, because similarly, we come to church this morning perhaps bringing with us, carrying with us some very practical, some very urgent need in our bodies, in our hearts, in our minds. It could be a health issue. It could be a financial need. It could be a relational or a social need. Look, Jesus knows and cares for your conditions and concerns. But he didn't come for that. Surprise, surprise. He did not come for that. He came to grant forgiveness. You see, we have to understand that all pain, all suffering, and all brokenness of this world began when humanity decided to walk our own ways contrary to God's plan and desire for our lives. This is true for Adam, and this is true for us today. And given that God is the sole source of love and blessing, by defying God, we have actively chosen to not inherit blessings from God, from, from, from Him either. But now Christmas is here, and we're reminded once again that Jesus has come. He is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, and He came on a divine business trip, a holy mission to offer forgiveness of sin to you and me if we're willing to put our faith and trust in Him. So brothers and sisters and friends, do, do, you, do we recognize how we have rebelled against the God who created and loved us? And if so, then unless we have actually done what Jesus said, which is to turn away from our rebellious ways and to believe in the power of his saving grace, then we're just sitting here on Christmas Eve morning in need of a Savior in need of a true Savior. Perhaps, uh, as I say these in your, in your heart, you're still relying on your religious backgrounds, um, your pedigree, your experiences, your fading youth, your sheer willpower, your philosophies, or something that you have done, or something that you're planning to do. 
to satisfy you, to give you a sense of sanity or a sense of worth, to entertain you, to save you from the despair and disappointment that you're facing right now. Now, over the past week, we've heard a lot of things said about Jesus. And this morning, we've heard just a couple of things said by Jesus. And I'm just going to quote, and I'm going to uh, quote Jesus this question, and I'm going to end this sermon here. He asked, and he asked his disciples uh, later on in his ministry this question. And I asked this to you this morning as well, as we think about this. Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Jesus once asked his followers this question. Who do you say I am? A prophet with a new teaching? A healer to the sick? A savior to a lost world? Jesus claimed each of these, but most importantly, he claimed to be God in the flesh. At the dawn of time, he ignited human history when he spoke. He breathed life into the lungs of the first man and woman and every inch of creation itself. But we rebelled. We turned against our king and followed our own ways, even though it would cost us our life. Our sin poisoned his perfect creation, giving way to sickness, injustice, and death. Sin separated us from one another and from God. But rather than cast off humanity, God sent his son, Jesus, to enter into the world he created, the one broken by our sin. He breathed our air, became human like us. But he lived a perfect life, the one God intended we live, and called us to repent of our sin and follow him in faith. Some believed his word and recognized him as king. Others denied him. They crowned him with thorns and murdered him. They rejected him, and so have we. But God had a plan. Jesus willingly gave himself up to die on a cross to save us from God's judgment and the death we deserve. On that cross, he exchanged our rebellion for his obedience, our brokenness for his perfection. The Son of God died so we could live. And on the third day, he rose to life again, defeating death forever. And now he sits on the throne of heaven, offering life through the Holy Spirit to all those who repent and trust in him. Jesus is the King of Kings. You can either crown him or crucify him. There is no middle ground. No one will ever ask you a more important question than the one Jesus asked, who do you say I am? I want to welcome the worship team to come. And as the music goes, I want to invite us to think about this question for ourselves. Now, this question sounds like something uh, for people who have yet to come to Christ, but I believe this is also a question for those of us who call ourselves Christians this morning, to really ask ourselves, who do you say Jesus is? Because this was the question asked to the disciples of Jesus. We know who Jesus claims himself to be. But do we believe what he says? Do we trust him the way 
he represents himself to us? Or do we know? Do we reject him still in our hearts? So let's take some time in silent prayer and think about this question for ourselves. Who do we say Jesus to be? Father God, this morning we, um, <clears throat> we thank you for your word and for your reminder of who you are. And even though it's just a glimpse, I hope that God, through the Spirit, you will remind us um, throughout the rest of this season of the things that you have promised us, the hope of which you have given us, and how blessed we are to be able to place our faith and trust in you. And for those of us who understands this, who's just overwhelmed with your love, help us to worship you in response, to praise your holy name this season. And help us in our unquenchable sense of joy that we're able to share this good news with those around us. We have opportunities this season. And so help us um, to follow your footsteps. And Lord, I, I just want to pray on behalf of those who may not know how to pray or may not know how to approach you at this point or still discerning and, and, and thinking about who you really are to them. I pray that your spirit will, will, will open their hearts and soften their hearts. Help, us to ask, help them to ask questions. Help, us, help them to approach you with curiosity this season. And help us to seek after all these wonderful things that you have left behind for us in the Bible. So God, let's pray that you will accept our worship to you this morning, our response to your mighty love. <clears throat> 